America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is a great day, despite the fact that it's a terrible day for the stock market. Does that have any impact on America and Americans? Sure it does. Uh, when it's down over 700 points as it is right now, this is a uh, disaster for the United States. It also happens to be a disaster for the Biden administration, which has a very, very tough time with its own public approval anyway. Will that change because of the uh, hearings last night that were extraordinary and dramatic and ended up being against, I think, all expectations? important and substantive they uh, continue by the way not tonight or over the weekend they continue next monday i think that was part of a deliberate strategy so people would think and talk and analyze and consider different things that were learned at those hearings of the january 6th committee last night they 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 did a couple of things that were very smart and very appropriate and actually i think may cause a lot of people to uh, think, well, maybe this is not just a replay of a political hit job or a series of political hit jobs. There is more involved here than an attempt to undermine uh, President Trump's comeback or intended comeback in a race for the presidency in 2024. If you had any aspect of your attitude toward politics in general, or specifically a Trump comeback, or what actually happened on January 6th. If there was anything that you saw, if you watched the hearings, that changed your point of view on that, uh, give us a call, because I'd be eager to hear. 1-800-955-1776. I uh, do want to say right at the outset that... I think that uh, my takeaway, number one, and it was something I never would have predicted, never, was that there was one uh, very clear winner, one active politician, one Republican conservative politician, who came across uh, very well in the hearings and should see a great surge of uh, new respect and maybe even enthusiasm. No, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I, I do not believe, as some voices on Fox News said, that the clear, the only one who came out looking good from the hearings was President Trump. If if you believe that, if you believe that, well, good luck to you. No, the, the, the big winner, it seems to me, was Mike Pence. And uh, with a highlight of uh, his activism... And his determination as vice president of the United States to just step into the breach in a, an extremely courageous and appropriate way. I had never heard before uh, that uh, Mike Pence had actually taken it on himself to give orders to the secretary of defense, to give orders to the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to try to bring the riot under control at a time when... President uh, Trump for 187 minutes for more than three hours was incommunicado, was not saying anything to anybody. Mike Pence took over and he did the right thing. And the, the dramatic footage that was shown 
of the riots uh, indicates exactly the the sort of fake gallows they put up right there on the grounds of the Capitol building and uh, how they uh, heard a telegram, uh, a, 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 a communication, a text, I should telegram. Telegram is last century. But no, it was a text that uh, they had seen from President Trump putting out where he talked about blaming Mike Pence for everything that was going on. And it was then that they began chanting, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence. In the midst of all that, and after the destruction, and after the injury, and some of the injuries were terrible, and some of the graphic description of uh, Carolyn Edwards, who was the heroic uh, young member of the Capitol Police Force who had been assigned to help guard and keep safe members of Congress, she hurt herself by slipping in the blood from some of her colleagues' faces. And uh, she, by the way, is still not able to go back to work because she suffered a concussion after which she got up again. And she's 5'4", by the way. And uh, she was a very, very effective witness last night, it seemed to me. In any event, in the midst of all that happening, the idea that the vice president uh, did whatever he could with the uh, uh, army and with the uh, defense department and uh, working with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Secretary of Defense to try to bring some order to this situation and then insisted, insisted that when they finally came back and there was order restored in the Capitol building, there was tape last night that showed the Vice President of the United States, the Honorable Mike Pence, actually getting up and doing his job, which in the context of what that day was, just doing your job, despite the fact that there may be people out there chanting about lynching you, about hanging Mike Pence, to go ahead and do that, to see what uh, you heard last night from his former chief of staff, um, Mark Short, who was uh, uh, actually uh, one of the people who gave witness, they were actually deeply worried about the vice president's uh, personal safety. And it wasn't just because people were putting up a false gallows and, and, and chanting, hang Mike Pence. It's because when you look at that crowd, and the footage that many Americans have not really seen before. In fact, no Americans have seen any of that Nick Quested footage that was featured there. He was the British documentarian who was also a witness. That seeing that footage and seeing the deliberate attempts to harm, to injure, to uh, spray bear spray, which can cause blindness and not just temporary blindness. And Carolyn Edwards was hit by uh, bear spray. And uh, it, 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 the entire thing is so extraordinary. And the fact that uh, people believe that, uh, well, why are we wasting time with this right now? Okay, one of the reasons is one of the takeaways that people list over at the Hill there's a, a, a great column by our friend and colleague Andy McCarthy of National Review, former federal prosecutor, 
we will ask him about another piece that uh, appeared in The Hill that had takeaways from what happened last night. One of the takeaways and the most substantial one is that basically what the committee was trying to do and uh, what one observer thinks they they did uh, very well is um, actually to make it uh, utterly impossible for Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, to escape from prosecuting Trump. Uh, do I agree with that? No, I, th I think it would be a terrible thing for the country if uh, Trump were prosecuted now. But the argument being that just on a legal basis, uh, given the evidence that they have uncovered, it's very tough when you're prosecuting literally hundreds. It may end up being thousands of other people who listened to Trump and uh, did what he apparently wanted them to do. When they are going to be facing trial, not to try Trump at all, not to accuse him at all, not to put him in jeopardy. And how about Trump's reaction? He has a reaction not just to the committee, but to his daughter whose testimony was also featured on the committee. Trump's not thrilled with the Ivanka. We will get to that and much more with your calls, 1-800-955-1776. Your outlet for outrage. It is outrageous what you are saying. The Michael Medved Show. This is outrageous. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the quality of... God help me, I'm addicted to... The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, talking about the uh, hearings last night that uh, were offered by the January 6th committee. Now, there are... Uh, there are seven members of the January 6th committee and uh, and then the two leaders of the committee, uh, uh, Benny Thompson, the chair, who is a, a Democrat of Mississippi, who led off the hearings, and then most of the weight of the investigation was covered by Liz Cheney, who is the uh, vice chairman of the committee, and she is one of the two Republicans who are serving on that committee. And one of the things that um, that happened last night is there a number of people, there were some voices over at Fox, which did not uh, cover on the main Fox News channel. They did on Fox Business Channel. They did not cover the committee live. But uh, there was a strong opinion by some Fox hosts that uh, President Trump was the only one who looked good uh, when the uh, committee held its session. I think it's it's worth noting that um, the uh, the idea that President Trump looked good because he got the uh, the rioters eventually to pull back, uh, even though <laughs> he uh, was basically incognito for 187 minutes and um, basically said, "We love you. You're beautiful." And you're very special, and uh, ended up thanking the rioters for what they had done. Um, 
the uh, there is no evidence, and this is according to fact checkers, numerous fact checkers. There is no evidence at all that Trump ever requested troops to secure the Capitol or consulted Nancy Pelosi ahead of January 6th insurrection, fact checkers say. Former President Donald Trump did not formally request 10,000 National Guard troops to secure the Capitol in the days leading up to the insurrection of January 6th, 2021. So said fact checkers from PolitiFact and The Washington Post. A spokesperson for the Defense Department said, quote, there is no record of such an order ever being given. And a spokesperson for House Leader Nancy Pelosi said she was never consulted about National Guard uh, by Trump or anyone else ahead of the events, according to PolitiFact and Washington Post. In any event, I mentioned that apparently the chance of hang Mike Pence that have now become a famous part of the record. Uh, during the riot, as they were breaching the Capitol building, you can see one of the uh, demonstrators, one of the activists, one of the raiders of the Capitol building, who is reading aloud a tweet that he had just gotten from uh, President Trump, or that President Trump just put out there on Twitter. And uh, it was critical, deeply critical of Mike Pence. And listen to how that went. This is clip 12. Okay, um, there were, last time they did a poll on this, there were still 57% of Republicans who thought that the raid on the Capitol was patriotic, that uh, this demonstration, the people were saying, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, were patriotic. Uh, Liz Cheney, in her presentation, offered a very important clarifying difference on the behavior on that fateful day, and yes, it was a fateful day, it will always be remembered, and be remembered as January 6th. Uh, Liz Cheney brought up the uh, difference between Trump's response and the response of the number two man in government, the Vice President of the United States, the Honorable Michael Pence. Uh, listen, this is 17A. Not only did President Trump refuse to tell the mob to leave the Capitol, he placed no call to any element of the United States government to instruct that the Capitol be defended. He did not call his Secretary of Defense on January 6th. He did not talk to his Attorney General. He did not talk to the Department of Homeland Security. President Trump gave no order to deploy the National Guard that day. And he made no effort to work with the Department of Justice to coordinate and, and deploy law enforcement assets. But Vice President Pence did each of those things. 
For example, here is what General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, testified to this committee. So with two, uh, two or three calls with Vice President Pence, he was very animated, and he issued very explicit, uh, very direct, unambiguous orders. There was no question about that. And, and, he was, and, and, and I can get you the exact quotes, I guess, from some of our records somewhere, but he was very animated, very direct, very firm, uh, and to Secretary Miller, get the military down here, get the guard down here, put down this uh, situation, uh, etc. Okay, and uh, then there's also more of uh, General Milley talking about what the concern of Trump's inner circle really was about. This is 17B. By contrast, here is General Milley's description of his conversation with President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, on January 6th. He said, uh, we, have, we have to kill the narrative that the vice president is making all the decisions. Uh, we need to establish the narrative that you know, that the president is still in charge and that things are steady or stable or what's that thing. I immediately interpret that as politics, politics, politics. Uh, red flag for me personally, no action, but I remember it distinctly. And uh, remembering it is, uh, is very important. We have to establish the narrative that the president is still in charge. What is so scary about this entire thing is not that they came close to overthrowing American democracy. I don't believe they did. But how how much depended in terms of solving this thing on the character of a few individuals. And so those individuals deserve great credit and great praise. One of them, as I've mentioned, is Mike Pence. Another one is Bill Barr. And I'll tell you who agrees with me about Bill Barr. It's the president's daughter, Ivanka. We will get to that and to much more on uh, The Medved Show. Everybody loves him. Michael Medved. But I will tell you this, he's very tough. <laughs> Here's a question for you. I'm, of course, deeply honored to receive The Michael Medved Show. And on The Michael Medved Show, I'm always deeply honored to welcome back to the show Andy McCarthy, who is a veteran prosecutor, very successful patriotic prosecutor who helped... Uh, bring some of uh, the most dangerous terrorists to uh, justice. And this back in the era when we were deeply concerned about Islamic terrorism and worldwide Islamic terrorism, we still should be. Uh, Andy McCarthy is also a senior fellow with the National Review Institute and a contributing editor of National Review. He has an important piece that he just posted up at the uh, Hill that uh, actually took a look at the double standard of the Justice Department that is undermining the uh, leadership of uh, Merrick Garland. We will get to that. Uh, Andy, 
there's a takeaway that was listed in in the hill where you're also a contributor and it was by someone named Keith Norton who is um, writes the number one takeaway that now because of these hearings Merrick Garland he says cannot escape prosecuting Trump and he says the testimony and production make it practically impossible for Merrick Garland not to charge Trump and bring him to trial uh, do you agree with uh, this conclusion that the pressure from Democrats will be so heavy that uh, the Attorney General of the United States is going to have to go after prosecuting Donald Trump I think Michael that the the pressure on the Justice Department to indict the former president is going to be intense. Um, and I think it could very well be successful. I think it's it's misguided in the sense that, uh, as my uh, National Review pal Rich Lowry says, I, you know, whenever I bring this up, you know, are they trying to get him to 80 percent approval rating among his um, among his base? I don't think it would have the effect that they intend, and I also think that Garland, in his heart of hearts, probably knows uh, it's a bad idea. I think that um, you know Bill Barr had a lot of wisdom when he said that before the Justice Department takes an action that's going to uh, interfere or intrude in American electoral politics, uh, it ought to be a meat and potatoes crime that there's really serious, compelling evidence of. And I don't think they're there uh, with Trump, but they will put pressure on, and, and that is what the left wants. And this administration has a, a long history of giving the left what it wants, I think because it can't deliver on a lot of other things. Wow. Uh, and the, the other things that uh, Merrick Garland hasn't delivered on, and, and you make this point, and it's a point we talked about on the air, and I agree with you completely, is... It's terrible that he hasn't done anything to stop the the threats to Supreme uh, Court justices, to the kinds of demonstrations that have been going on at, at their homes. Um, why? What would the Justice Department have to lose to move more decisively on that? Well, I think the the protesters are. Um, political allies of the Democrats who don't want Roe versus Wade and its progeny overturned. The Justice Department um, took the position in the Supreme Court that uh, it agrees with that. It doesn't want, uh, you know, wants the outcome of the Dobbs case to go uh, in the direction opposite the draft opinion we've seen from Justice Alito. Um, so, you know, I think the reason that um, people do the kind of political intimidation tactics we're seeing is because they work. And the administration, even though it's not saying this out loud, it's pretty obvious that they are allowing this to go on because it might work. And uh, the, the other thing, there's another point that is made uh, in this analysis of a primetime um, January 6th singed all parties and uh, then four predictions this by Keith Norton and the Hill right. he says at the end uh, will the hearings help Democrats by provoking Trump to more fury and threats boosting their voter turnout 
Or will the hearings add to Trump fatigue among Republicans, allowing the party to walk away from Trump and focus on the bumbling Biden administration? Hard to say which, he writes, but interesting to watch. You'll notice that both the things he says is, are possibilities. Both of them would hurt Republicans. Yeah, I think, though, uh, with due respect to, to Norton, who I, who I don't really know, um, I think he's implicit in what he's writing is that people are riveted to these hearings. And I just, you know, maybe they should be because it's an important matter. On the other hand, I think the committee has undermined its credibility by the way it's composed. And I say that as somebody who thought it was important that there be an investigation of this. But I just think he may be overrating um, the importance of the hearing. I think they're important to people like us who follow this stuff closely. I don't know how much traction it has with the public at large, because I think most people, Michael, especially those of us who watch this happen in real time, um, know what we think about the riot and about President Trump's complicity uh, in, in what led to the riot. Uh, and we've already that's kind of baked in the cake at this point. So I, I don't know that these hearings are going to change many minds. I think people who follow this closely have already kind of made up their minds what they think of it. Yeah, but that that would could contribute uh, both to it could contribute to Trump fatigue uh, on on the part of at least some Republicans, and uh, they're they're also talking about uh, what President Trump's response is going to be to everything, because so far it's yeah, well, been fairly. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's a, but but that's a that's a good point. I mean, um, I, I think. The perverse uh, irony that's gone on here is that the people who have uh, who, who have the most visceral reaction to Trump um, are the people who are keeping him relevant, even though that's probably not what they intend to do. Although I do think the Democrats would like to keep Trump relevant because if he runs and he wins the Republican nomination, which is not inconceivable, um, I think that's probably the Democrats' best chance to retain the White House. So I think they're kind of playing a, a slick game on that score. Um, and it'll depend on whether Republicans, to my mind, it depends on whether Republicans at some point uh, come to come to realize that no matter what they think of Trump, the most important thing, or at least one of the most important things, ought to be how electable the next Republican nominee will be. And I just don't see how Trump can win a national election. I mean, even if I was, I, I'm not, you know, somebody who uh, has been there and done that, uh, I like a lot of things about the Trump administration. I have no desire for a reprise of, you know, Trump the president. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people probably feel that way. And I hope, I keep hoping that at some point the Republicans will come to their senses and realize they have to put up somebody who has a chance to win nationally. And I just what, don't see what that. What a novel thought. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. By the way, what you said is brilliant, and I'm just thinking about it, because could this entire committee hearing uh, be part of a Democratic strategy to create more focus on and sympathy for Donald Trump? Because the more attention and energy that he soaks up, the less of a chance there is for a Republican alternative to develop. And uh, would they prefer to run against Trump uh, as opposed to running against 
anybody else. I mean, uh, Ron DeSantis is the obvious uh, uh, name that keeps coming back. Yeah, I do think they'd greatly prefer to run against Trump because then it becomes, again, uh, deeply about all of the crazy things he has done and will undoubtedly do before uh, November of 2024. Andy McCarthy, always fascinating and substantive. Uh, read his piece on uh, some of the double standards at the Justice Department at michaelmedved.com. We'll be right back. Lots of speculation uh, about how many people would end up watching the hearings last night. It uh, appears, uh, at least according to the most uh, initial figures, the preliminary figures, that uh, nearly 20 million people watched the first hearing of the House Select Committee and uh, this investigating the uh, riots the civil unrest as people say <laughs> when they want to be polite uh, they it, it was a, a a riot and a serious riot with serious injuries as made clear by some of the testimony nearly 20 million people watched last night the first hearing of the select committee and it was broadcast uh, across broadcast news channels and channels uh, that were all of the major networks, the legacy networks, and it was also on most of cable news except for Fox News Live. And uh, ABC took the largest haul of viewers. It had 4.8 million viewers. NBC and CBS carried 3.5 million and 3.3 million respectively on cable. MSNBC pulled in a whopping uh, 4.1 million viewers during the hearings, which is nearly four times what the network uh, generally averages on a typical neat weeknight. A usually dominant Fox News channel came in second place on cable last night, averaging 3 million viewers from 8 to 10 p.m. when they weren't covering the uh, the hearings live. CNN came in third place with 2.6 million viewers. That's close to Fox, which almost never happens because CNN, frankly, just doesn't get that great ratings. Now, what does all this mean? What did they, people who watched the hearings, uh, learn about? Part of what they learned about was the experience of this uh, extremely charismatic and effective witness, Carolyn Edwards. She's a, an honors graduate of the University of Georgia. Uh, she wanted to serve her country and has been serving her country as a Capitol Police officer. She was seriously injured in the, uh, she actually was un knocked unconscious at one point and then had uh, bear spray, pepper spray, uh, squirted into her face and into her eyes and yet she got up trying to defend a bike rack as the demonstrators were pushing against her 
And her testimony uh, sounded like this. This is clip 10. I, what I saw was just a, a war scene. It, it was something like I had seen out of the movies. I, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. There were officers on the ground, um, you know, they were bleeding, they were throwing up, they were, you know, they had, uh, I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. Um, you know, I, I was catching people as they fell. I, you know, I was, it was carnage. It was chaos. I, I, can't, e I can't even describe what I saw. I, never in my wildest dreams did I think that as a police officer, as a law enforcement officer, I would find myself in the middle of a battle. You know, I, I'm, I'm trained to detain, you know, a couple of subjects and, and handle, you know, a crowd, but I, I'm, I'm not combat trained. And that day, it was just hours of hand-to-hand -hand combat. And that's very clear for anybody who uh, watched some of the video footage that they included. The uh, uh, Liz Cheney, uh, who led some of the questioning and the presentation of facts together with the chairman of the committee, Benny Thompson, they made a very good decision here, which is on this first night of the hearings when they're trying to get the attention of the public. They didn't conduct this like they normally conduct congressional hearings. And you've all seen the congressional hearings like on the Supreme Court confirmations or on anything else. Or this happened during the impeachment trials. This, it, it, They always go around the whole table of members of the committee and it's the giving the members of Congress a chance to show off and to try to get attention to themselves. This time, that didn't happen. The other members of the committee, Adam Schiff and Zoe Lofgren and uh, Adam Kinzinger, uh, they uh, they all, Jamie Raskin, they, they all had to sit there quietly. They allowed Congresswoman Cheney to do most of the heavy lifting. And she reported that... Uh, well, listen to clip 18 uh, from Liz Cheney. Though certain former Trump officials have argued that they did not anticipate violence on January 6th, the evidence suggests otherwise. As you will see in our hearings, the White House was receiving specific reports in the days leading up to January 6th, including during President Trump's ellipse rally, indicating that elements in the crowd were preparing for violence at the Capitol. And on the evening of January 5th, the president's close advisor, Steve Bannon, said this on his podcast. All hell is going to break loose tomorrow. Just understand this. All hell is going to break loose tomorrow. And uh, then she said this uh, concerning... Uh, President Trump's central responsibility for that hell that everybody was anticipating. Uh, this is clip 19. You will hear testimony live and on video from more than half a dozen former White House staff in the Trump administration. 
all of whom were in the West Wing of the White House on January 6th. You will hear testimony that, quote, the president did not really want to put anything out calling off the riot or asking his supporters to leave. You will hear that President Trump was yelling and, quote, really angry at advisors who told him he needed to be doing something more. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it. You will hear evidence that President Trump refused for hours to do what his staff, his family, and many of his other advisors begged him to do, immediately instruct his supporters to stand down and evacuate the Capitol. And then her final message, or dramatic message, to her House Republican colleagues uh, who have stripped her of her former leadership position in the House Republican caucus. Clip 11. There's a reason why people serving in our government take an oath to the Constitution. As our founding fathers recognized, democracy is fragile. People in positions of public trust are duty-bound to defend it, to step forward when action is required. In our country, we don't swear an oath to an individual or a political party. We take our oath to defend the United States Constitution. And that oath must mean something. Tonight, I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. That, uh, of course, is the kind of quote she apparently worked very hard on this, um, these remarks that carried the hearings last night went over them with some advisors, but most of it is her writing and uh, her report. Uh, as we continue, we'll take a look at the Trump versus Trump uh, debate. Uh, President Trump has responded to his daughter, Ivanka, who was uh, featured in tape uh, before the hearings. We'll also talk about the latest in the war in Ukraine where Putin has compared himself to Peter the Great. I wrote a column in Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago about how he was obsessed with Peter the Great, and now Putin confirms my column. Thank you, uh, Vladimir Vladimirovich. Uh, we will also be speaking with Arthur Herman of the Hudson Institute about uh, the dangers of Russian expansion into the Arctic. Why is this a thing right now? Because... There is climate change going on, and the Arctic is warming, and it's easier to get ships up there and to claim some Russian dominance. But the United States has a trump card, a surprising trump card. And no, this has nothing to do with that trump. It has to do with uh, some of our allies who are extraordinarily important, never more important, to this greatest nation on God's green earth.